This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We're broadcasting out of Pistown, Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Starting the week on Tuesday, missed Monday, we are back after spending a day honoring the great detective Columbo. Oh, yeah, one last thing. My wife loves you, but why'd you do all the genocide? <laughs> I remember watching Columbo as a kid. I haven't seen an episode in quite a while. Did Columbo, what was Columbo's first name? Do any of us, do you know? Uh, Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Hey, we've got some bonus content coming up at the end of today's newscast. It will be for subscribers only. We talked with San Francisco DSA member Mia, a.k.a. at ButtPraxis on Twitter, about one of the worst companies in the world, PG&E out in California, a company which is really bad at delivering electricity to their customers, but very good at delivering profits to their shareholders and also very good at killing people. We talk about why the workers should take that company over. Again, that's coming up at the end of the newscast today. For subscribers, if you want to listen to this full episode that includes that interview, go to patreon.com slash district sentinel, subscribe five bucks a month and listen to the latest episode. Workers and the state. Yeah, municipalize the company. And also workers should run it. You may have heard of PG&E from reading the headlines about all the blackouts in California last weekend. That was them. Yeah, yeah, it's a fun interview. If you want to know more about that topic, uh, tune in at the end of today's newscast. Debate night in America. Should ask Tom from uh, the Trillbillies just to make sure, but I believe it is debate night in America tonight. Also, could be the clinching game for the Nationals to secure a spot in the World Series. Which will you be? Holy cow! Yeah, yeah, they're up three nil. Which will you be watching or listening to, Sam Knight? Oh. I would like to say that I will be watching the baseball game, but I will, in fact, be watching the debate. Yeah, I'll flip back and forth between the two, but I really got to check in on Bernie and see how he's doing. Saying that out loud makes me really hate myself because (laughs) here we have a local team one game away from the World Series, and uh, I'll be watching some dipshit debate where... The people I most agree with will be given, like, very little amount of time. Yeah, 12 people on stage. Nobody's going to have any time. I want to watch the beginning just to see how it starts, but I'm definitely going to get bored with it and flip over to uh, baseball and see if they're about to clinch. As I noted on Twitter on my good account, uh, night69420, I'm not sure what I'm looking forward to more, the possibility of Biden shitting himself on stage or the possibility of people heckling Tom Steyer. There is no reason this man should be on the stage tonight, but he will be on the stage tonight. And I really hope someone is in the crowd and tells that billionaire piece of shit to uh, sit down and shut the fuck up. Why not both, is what I say. <laughs> no reason why both shouldn't happen tonight. <laughs> What's this uh, note in the script about uh, mutiny in the U.S. military? Well, according to a DOD press release that came across the old inbox this morning, quote, the Army and Air Force Exchange Service and the Navy Exchange have stopped selling vape-related products. What? This is... Uh, How will this people, stand? You know, people have been talking about in the media if... It, 
unironically talking about Trump maybe crossing a line with his own voters by taking away people's vapes, by coming after their vapes. Buddy, he's coming after the troops' vapes now. <laughs> this, Honest- is, this could really hurt the president's already dim prospects of re-election. Honestly, the thought of troops vaping makes me want to become one of those greatest generation dipshits that are always <laughs> scolding people for playing video games instead of dying on the beaches of Normandy. When I think of like, I just want to see uh, old grizzled Vietnam vets who hand rolled cigarettes and like did hard drugs, just kicking the ass of people with jewel pods, troops with jewel pods today. Vape them if you got them, boys. <sighs> All right, it's Tuesday, October 15th, 2019. Here's the news. The White House on Monday night announced sanctions against individual members of the Turkish government and other punitive measures in response to Turkey's offensive against the Kurds in Syria. The Treasury Department detailed the measures, which target the Turkish ministries of defense and energy, as well as the individual ministers heading up those branches. The actions block the ministers from access to any interests or properties they may have in the U.S., The administration also reimposed a 50% tariff on Turkish steel imports and also called off all negotiations on a trade deal with the country. NATO members sanctioning each other. You unironically love to see it. (laughs) I honestly don't give a shit about NATO at all, but I remember, but but I, I, I guarantee you there is a healthy crossover among people who are 100% behind sanctioning Turkey, a NATO member, and people who are flipping out that Trump is destroying NATO. (laughs) Either way, I, as I said, unironically love to see all of it. Congress returns to session this week, and they're looking to level even heavier punishments against Erdogan for his heavy-handed offensive. There are a couple of competing proposals supported by both Democrats and Republicans, of course, who are opposed to Trump's decision to pull U.S. troops out of northern Syria, which gave Turkey the green light for the invasion. One measure supported by Senators Lindsey Graham and Chris Van Hollen would target the Turkish military and Turkish banks with sanctions. It would also freeze assets belonging to President Erdogan and members of his cabinet, as well as cease the sale of U.S. weapons to Turkey. So just to update, President Trump, who has generally increased U.S. military strikes and expanded the U.S. military footprint around the world, decided to pull U.S. troops out of northern Syria, who had been stationed there as a buffer between the Kurds and the Turkish military. He did that knowing full well that Turkey would invade. Turkey invaded, so now the administration wants to sanction Turkey, a NATO ally. Meanwhile, Congress, which opposes any effort to send troops back home from anywhere— is very mad at both Trump and Turkey and wants to pass legislation to return U.S. troops to the region and also sanction Turkey. My mom texted me a few days ago asking me about all this, asking, who are the good guys here? The answer was very simple. There are no good guys. Well, the Kurds. Your answer sort is of. a little I could, wrong. I could be overly cynical here and be like, <laughs> uh, Kurds cooperating with... U.S. special forces and CIA and empire building aren't exactly good guys either, but maybe on the ground, Kurds. I guess. I mean, the people on the ground there. The Soviet Union took uh, assistance from the U.S. too around World War II. But... From what? Oh, well, yeah, but that was a different U.S., I'd say, but sure. A different war. Anyway, there could... interesting topic for an entire show. <laughs> Which we. <laughs> But we're just going to flippantly throw it out here at the end of this news update. We'll kick the can down the road on that one. 
There could soon be an inquiry into one of the most powerful couples in Washington, nay, the planet. The top Democrat on the House Transportation Committee is calling for an investigation into Secretary of Transportation Elaine Chao, specifically to look at claims Chow is playing favorites with constituents from her home state of Kentucky, which is also, of course, home to Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Chow's husband. Congressman Peter DeFazio today wrote to the DOT Inspector General asking for a probe. He noted, quote, I would expect Secretary Chow to meet with individuals from her home state more regularly than others, but the sheer volume is troubling. One quarter of all Chow's meetings have featured Kentucky residents. That's according to a report last week by Politico. Hey, Kentucky is the most populous state in the country. What do you expect? (laughs) The letter, which was sent on Friday, was reported by the publication today. In his missive, DeFazio noted that one of the Politico stories was actually shared by Mitch McConnell's reelection campaign in a tweet that boasted, quote, Mitch McConnell is a Kentucky asset. DeFazio also asked the DOT IG to probe other reports of potential nepotistic conflicts of interest by Chow when dealing with a shipping company called the Foremost Group, which was founded by Chow's father. The current CEO is Elaine's sister, Angela. As Secretary of Transportation, Elaine reportedly has attempted to forge connections between the company and the U.S. government, as the New York Times reported in June. And as the company's name gives away, it is the (laughs) Foremost Group. It is indeed the foremost of the groups. Officials at the agency hit out at DeFazio for asking the inspector general to act. They told Politico, anonymously, of course, that DeFazio's accusations are, quote, politically motivated and intended to waste time. The agency said while the department will always be cooperative and responsive to appropriate requests, DOT looks forward to a prompt and final resolution of these questions. Now, of course, if DeFazio's request is denied by the agency watchdog, he could push to conduct his own investigation as House Transportation Committee chair. Knowing how long it has taken Democrats to come around on impeachment, this will probably occur sometime after the 2020 election, if it happens at all. I like you uh, throwing some stank on that DeFazio pronunciation. DeFazio! DeFazio! News news out of the Senate, where Senator Richard Blumenthal announced plans to introduce legislation to make journalists a protected class. Uh, Please spare me. Blumenthal's bill would make any violence or threat of violence against a journalist a federal crime. It would carry with it mandatory punishments like any attack causing bodily harm will be punishable by three years in prison. Seriously bodily harm, seven years in prison. The senator referenced recent threats against journalists and prior. Yeah, he he talked about prior acts of violence in newsrooms, which are are true. He didn't mention specifically, but the timing suggests this is also in partial response to that viral video played for Trump supporters at a rally in Florida depicting the president violently shooting various members of the news media, and at one point shooting someone depicted as a Black Lives Matter logo through the head. It's a pretty fucked up video, actually. And there's no doubt the president's words and actions have incited more anger toward members of the news media. But Blumenthal should probably just step down here as this is another example of Democrats chasing something shiny that Trump waved around. Also, I could see this law being applied against someone who rightfully punches Andy No before it's ever applied against some MAGA chud who goes after a reporter. Also, there are actually vulnerable people in this country who are under heightened threat from the Trump administration, and journalists are the least of those people. 
you know this would also be used against leftists who tell dipshit reporters online to fuck themselves. Yeah. Absolutely. Finally, the Federal Reserve body that sets interest rates has a regularly scheduled meeting at the end of this month. It's expected to cut the so-called federal funds rate for the second time in a row after about four years of steady gradual increases. But despite this downward pressure on interest paid by banks, American consumers are paying record rates on their credit card bills. Citing an industry analysis from CreditCards.com, CBS News said yesterday that APR and store-branded cards is now 26%, up 37 hundredths of a percentage point in the last 12 months alone. The federal fund's target rate, which determines wholesale borrowing rates, which determines credit card APR, is currently between 1.75 and 2%, roughly 24 percentage points lower than those store-branded cards. Again, it's also trending downward, the federal funds rate. Even more frustrating, the high cost of borrowing appears to be driven in part because credit card companies have self-owned by pandering to rich clients. The Wall Street Journal noted yesterday that elite rewards programs have been eating into the profitability of companies like J.P. Morgan Chase and American Express. The paper noted credit card issuers typically look for two kinds of clients, big spenders that pay their bills on time, and those who get higher rates because they struggle to make minimum monthly payments. Pretty predatory when you think about it. The journal noted that the average interest rate on all credit cards is now about 17%, up from about 13.5% four years ago. In the same time frame, American households with a credit card balance saw their debt increase by 8%, and that's in inflation-adjusted terms. In the second quarter, in absolute terms, the average balance was $8,602. Now, this isn't just worth noting because it highlights the cruelty of capitalism. It also highlights how capitalism doesn't work, raising fears of a force multiplier, so to speak, for the next recession. As we've noted on this show, regulators have been concerned about the stability of the market for corporate debt. Also, the Fed has struggled in recent weeks to set short-term interest rates because banks have lacked the cash to participate in certain bond auctions. The New York Fed has plowed billions into the financial sector to fill the gap. And just late last week, in something of a Friday news dump before the three-day weekend, the Fed itself announced it would be purchasing Treasury bonds, quote, into the second quarter of next year. The central bank said it would also be intervening in short-term lending markets until at least January. That'll wrap things up for the newscast. Before we move on to our subscriber-only interview, we have some poetry to read for our new subscribers over at patreon.com slash district sentinel. Five bucks a month, you get access to all the content we put out, plus your own haiku written for you and read on the air. This is for Max, Deliverable, Itemized Community, NGO Dipshit. Thank you, Max. This one is for Taylor. WAPO employs both Tom Hamburger and Dan Balls. This is not normal. Thank you, Taylor. Finally, this is for Ryan. Every day goes past with capital in control, one fewer good day. That is true. Thank you, Ryan, and thank you to all the new subscribers over on patreon.com slash district sentinel. The listener rant line is blinking. Let's hear what y'all have to say. Howdy, boys. This is Caleb, the Raptor guy. 
I would like to give a, a message of appreciation for your you guys' excellent recording on the loss of three billion birds in the last 50 years. I One caveat I would like to add as a raptor guy is when we do our mortality scavenger surveys, we find that roughly 80% of our birds have were shot by motherfuckers who are just out there shooting whatever they can find. Jesus. So I think this is another nice example of laws like the Migratory Bird Species, the Migratory Species Bird Tree Act of like 18 whatever the fuck. <laughs> Pretty pointless. All it does is inhibit young biologists like me from getting things like getting easier access to banding permits and that kind of stuff because I, in a lot of areas of my work, am prohibited from doing things that I know I could do by bullcrap like these laws that aren't even protecting birds. Yeah, the Migratory Bird Species Treaty Protection Act, whatever the hell, I can't think of a year off the top of my head. Kind of bullshit because, yeah, roughly 80% of hawks are that we, roughly 80% of hawks that we find dead, we find with bullet wounds. Jesus. So, yeah. That's definitely a part of the three billion bird addendum or whatever Audubon Society said. All right, Caleb out. Damn, stop shooting birds. Yeah. The fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, humans are the problem. <laughs> Thank you for the call there, uh, Caleb. All right, one more message to get to here. Yo, it's Joel from Cali. Yeah, last week was hard for Dodger fans. Now that they're out, I've got two things to say. Sean Doolittle has consistently been the most progressive Major League Baseball player regarding LGBTQ issues. He is a great man. And Howie Kendrick was a Dodger. <laughs> it's not Bush. But the spirit of Dusty Baker, another former Dodger, looking down and lifting up the Nats. Yeah, I know he's still alive. Socialism will win, just like the Dodgers next year, at least until Kershaw chokes. Not only is Dusty Baker still alive, I think he's looking for a job because he couldn't do the... Couldn't take the Nats job. Well, but... I, I think he was done pretty dirty here in Washington, honestly. Okay, fair but, enough. I don't know enough about but it. But maybe not, considering here they are, uh, one win away from going to the World Series without him. There was talk that Dusty would go to Philly in recent days. He'll be reunited with Bryce Harper. Yeah, that could happen. That could happen. Anyways, thanks for the call, Hoel. Good to hear from you. And yeah, Sean Doodle. Sean Doolittle is good. Uh, agree with that there. Yeah. His wife is a DSA member. Really? Right here. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. Call the rant line, 202-684-6108. Leave that message. We will play it on air. Okay, as I mentioned at the top, we have some subscriber bonus content to get to right now. An interview on the situation in California and their deadly utility company, PG&E. If you're not a subscriber, here's a little preview of our conversation with Mia, a.k.a. at Butt Praxis. But it talks about the history of PG&E and how we in Northern California have suffered under them and the plan to get public and worker ownership of PG&E. You know, like, so, uh, like Sam... <laughs> you're Which both one? Sam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just say uh, Sam. Sam Just... Sachs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
like one that Sam said, um, it is a lot like health insurance. It's a lot like healthcare. And I mean, like in all these things are just rent seeking, right? Anytime that you're attempting mm. to make a profit off of things that people need to live, that's rent seeking. Yeah. Um, but it's like healthcare in that it doesn't make sense to try and extract a profit from this, right? The, the only way to make a profit from these things is to give people the worst service possible. So they should be publicly owned. They should be worker owned. And PG&E actually employs a lot of union members anyway. So, you know, hopefully it should be a really easy, a really easy transition to, you know, you can, the, the workers keep their jobs. If anything, you're going to need more workers because it's going to be more work for them to do making these things safe, undergrounding these things. Um, Less money for dipshits to go off to wine country and right. uh, and and sip the sip the cab while they plan to shut off power to fucking millions of people. Basically, the idea is to replace the dipshits with a publicly elected board that does not make profit. Thanks again to Mia. To listen to the full interview, go to Patreon.com/slash District Sentinel and subscribe for five dollars a month. That is the show. We are back tomorrow. We're in D.C. so you don't have to be.